Sit back and relax while listen to Train Kickers podcast. I'm Dave, and along with my co-hosts Dan and Steve, I'm going to take you all around the world of miniature wargaming. On tonight's episode, since we had just went through an event, we thought we would talk a little bit more about it. And in particular, we want to talk to one of the main organizers for it. We're going to get into, you know, some of the other people who help make all of this run the way it does. But we thought this might be of interest either one, if you happen to be somewhat local, you might have some interest in joining us for a future event. Or also, this might be useful for people who aren't, but want to see how we kind of put together and what it is that we put together, which you might find either both inspiration from or just other sorts of ideas. Um, For other things, so as you might have noticed, we just put out a battle report. We do have another one. We saw part one of the on mat that came out um, as of recording today. There is a part two. I'm currently editing that. Um, We have very much the same sort of way we put it together, although um, Dan was on the camera instead of me, so that might be a little bit different in the camera work. But, you know, we'll we'll see how that all kind of goes together. We're we're working on getting that to nice and smooth out. And we also have two other battle reports that we are currently working on as well. So we have a few others of those. Um, We still have plans to work on all the other things that we've been doing but because of sort of timing that might be what you get for the rest of this week so you'll have this normal podcast episode you'll probably hopefully have at least one more battle report maybe two if uh, i have less to work to do than i think i do or if i just decide to assemble a bunch of things and edit while i do so all right otherwise and now on to the show all right gentlemen steve just make sure you you know you're still mute there you go he was he was eating uh, was that a cornless quesadilla is that what you're having there um, you know, minus the cheese. It was, it was just a flour tortilla. What was? Please tell me you put something on it, or are you just like yeah, um flour tortilla? Just a flour tortilla. Just That's... a flour tortilla. Okay. It's just a it's just a snack until I have dinner later. It's fine. Oh my God, dinner later. I. I... <laughs> yeah, it's nine o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, it's cereal. It's 2 a.m. is a perfectly valid time to cook myself a full three-course meal, okay? It's yes, cereal. if you worked an overnight I, shift, like, it would be. Steve, I, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I work, I work until 11 at night tomorrow, sure. so I might as well shift to that uh, night owl mindset now. Oh, my God. All right, so to, to not bury the leave for too long. So, as you can see, for anyone watching, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. If not... Um, on any podcatcher that you're on, we have Grady with us tonight. He is, I want, I want to say, sort of the the current, I would say, primary drive behind the Hudson Valley Heresy. Essentially, our the the group that we have here, and he can get into some of the other people that were with him and all. Um, as I said at the top, sort of the discussion here is we have some questions for him. We want to talk even just campaigns, also in general, see what we've been doing and any sort of other ideas that come up. While we're going through this, if you actually are on. YouTube, you so Steve took the last at this point many too many, many hours. hours, too many, yeah, far too many hours, too many <laughs> to put together uh, essentially pictures and a slideshow. So we currently have that viewed out. So we're going to be showing pictures from all the various events that we've had. Um, it's set to go. We'll see if we get to see them all. I'll let you know by the end if we do. All right. So, um, great. Since you're the new person on the show tonight do you want to do any form of an introduction tell people who you are yeah for sure uh my name's grady i run a fair amount of the events i'd say the majority of events in the southeast region of new york the northwestern part of new jersey and really just especially with the drop of 2.0 me and a couple of the other guys who help me organize events have just been 
really working at getting a majority of people we can into the hobby and putting out events that keep people coming back. Nice. Um, now, this might be from me because I just personally don't know. I'm, I didn't play Heresy 1.0, so reasonably new. Essentially, when we started talking about Heresy, I wasn't even playing at that point. And then at some point, I think that's when we brought Steve on originally. Yep. And then Steve stayed forever. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we did it for that. Um, Worked my so, way in there. Yeah. So how long have you guys been running this? Was this through 1.0 for a while, or is this a little bit so, newer as we got into this now? Our first event was 1.0. Mm-hmm. So we're May was our first Hudson Valley Heresy event. So we threw that. And then the system just happened to switch right into 2.0. So okay. the last five events have been 2.0. Okay. All right, so I've been doing this for a bit. Um, actually, and I would also be remiss otherwise if I didn't ask just a little bit about... Uh, everyone knows our gaming history. We've talked about it. A little bit of your gaming history. Is this like the game you started with the main game? Or are you a 40k yeah. person from second so edition with I ugly models? <laughs> way back in, I'd say, 6th or 7th grade... Okay. With Flames of War. Oh, historical. 15 millimeter, World War II. From there, I got into Napoleonics. And from there, I made the transition to sci fi with 40K and everything. But by the time I got to 40K, I was getting into mid high school and sort of switching out of the wargaming mentality. Went to college, didn't play in college, which I really regret. Yeah. And then on my way driving home from college during COVID, so I graduated, nobody was hiring, nothing was happening. And I went to college out west, so I had to drive across the country back to here. And I listened to the Night Lords trilogy just because I needed books. It was a 28-hour drive. Oh and I got goodness. home, and I bought some Forge World models. I'm like, I used to love this. It's hmm. COVID, nothing's going on. My brother was also home from college, and I just said, here, listen to these books, buy some Forge World models yourself. We're starting Wargaming again. <laughs> and that's kind of how we got back into it, because we both played a lot when we were younger, and the drive was still there. So, that's so awesome. If you started in historicals, I'm assuming it was, like, what, a parent or something like that that did it as well? Or did you just start right into – usually historicals I find, at least from store environments, it's usually an older crowd, and then they get the kids into it from that. So I volunteered at a military museum that used to be in Danbury. Um, hmm. You see the Danbury Tank Museum. And they had a huge Flames of War table set up upstairs. And one day I was just like, what is this? It looks interesting. And they yeah. – kind of walked me through it. I started my own army, played that, and then the same thing with Napoleonics. One day when I was volunteering, they had a huge Napoleonic battle set up upstairs. That's essentially just how I learned was through people who, like you said, were a little bit older, a little bit um, more, I don't want to say 1980s-style wargamers, but the huge-scale um, recreation battle style. Yeah. No, it's still common in a lot of, especially Napoleonics and all that sort of thing, trying to recreate historical yeah. battles and not always liking when the outcome feels any bit different than what actually happened in history. Exactly. But it was a great introduction to the whole wargaming setting because they were very passionate about having extremely detailed terrain. All the models were painted and then a lot of prep in just setting the scenario down and making you feel like you actually are there. Okay. So I, I noticed I never really did much historicals a little bit. I was going to dabble with, uh, Flames of War and do uh, uh, Hungarians because they have um, they have horses and stuff like that, but it just never happened, yeah. which is probably for the best. 
have Flames to War is great at recreating, I'd say, company size engagements because mm -hmm. that 15 millimeters on a six by four table, you can be outmaneuvered. Unlike in 30K, where you really you struggle to be outmaneuvered, especially when you get up to like 3,000 points. Flames of War maneuvering and deployment matters a lot. True. But I also haven't played Flames of War in, I'd say, seven years. So. I've heard great things about the new edition. I have some friends who yeah. play, and that's where I was like, oh, maybe I'll get involved in that. And then my one friend, now he's having a second kid, so he's honestly busy all the time now. And my other friend, <laughs> he hasn't said too much lately. So it's yeah. like, all right, I, I guess I don't have to get some, you know, some Hungarian, Hungarian stuff like that. Right. I'm like, yep. I'm like, that works fine for me. I got far too much stuff to paint already. As I, yeah, like that conquest. I'm, I'm So I, I'm not going to show the camera because it would also show the floors, but I'm literally surrounded by models everywhere just boxes and boxes full of models and sprues some of them being like a bunch of necrons because i got them at a bazaar so 50 bucks i got tons <laughs> your cat just took out the camera <laughs> oh no uh, oh there you go that's my cat yes Corvius that's for the world <laughs> don't worry my cat will pop up sooner or later that's meowing true. as he usually does sorry about that no, no it's good. all good it's all good, good. <laughs> So luckily, my dog usually doesn't bug to go out now-ish because I usually took him either right before. He's probably just sleeping, waiting for more so chicken. My cats have recently discovered that you can easily push models and paint pots off of the <laughs> hobby station. And so Ooh. one of their favorite hobbies, when my desk chair is not pushed in, just go up there and do the and knock almost all my paints off the table. Oh, no. So, my, God, yeah. my cats haven't figured that one out yet. Oh, my God. Yet. Yet. The keyest of words. I know, Genius pretty much. Monsters. All right. They are um, devious. Now, Steve, you, you wrote the original list of questions. Do you want to start? Yeah. Then? I want to make sure. Yeah, you, you did most sure. of the work for tonight in all the different ways for anyone who's viewing any of this. So. I'm just I'm excited to get to talk to Grady. All, all right. right. So, also is great at helping me run events and the Toy Wiz guys. Can't forget them. I just that's absolutely incredible true. group of guys. I just set up a couple tables. It's not that much work. No, that's cool. You just built a space elevator. It's fine. No, no, no. Just, just yeah. Casual. Just, to be fair, the casual. space elevator, that was for me. Casual, <laughs> which we had players who wanted to see the space elevator and were bummed they didn't see it at the event. I'm surprised actually they wanted to see it. That's pretty cool. They, they were like, they, Jamie said to me, it made such a complex game with movement and it does. adapting around it that he's like, can we get that out again? I'm like, yeah, I'll talk to Steven. I will definitely bust it out again for the next one. Yeah. No question about it. I love that thing. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know, um, probably two years ago now, whenever I ran that first Titanicus event, like mm -hmm. COVID was starting to lighten up. I'm like, I want to do a Titanicus event. I did a little uh, narrative campaign, paint and play kind of mix. And to top off the first arc, I said, all right, you know, we're going to battle over the space elevator. So I built like this two or three foot tall terrain piece that breaks down to smaller sections and because they're smaller sections, it's semi-modular, so I can set up in different ways. And somewhere in this massive stack of, sli sli uh, massive stack of slides, you're going to see this giant, like, blue-gray monstrosity populating the middle of a table. That's the space elevator in configuration B. Okay, we had multiple configurations? Yeah. Um, so normally, it's just one giant, like, tower. If you think of uh, the new Mombasa um from halo yes yes it, yes it, normally it's like that but with four sides instead of three okay um for the january 28th event the first one on verisil um yes. 
that was called Sun and Steel. No, yeah. this was Sun and Steel. No, that was a uh, Black Star. Black Star. Um, at the Black Star event, I had it set up so that the the tube that goes up is now sideways, and then the four legs are now two arches on either end of it. And some buildings butted up to be like, I don't know, like a little like control center, like it's some sort of giant like geothermal station or something like that. Okay. But let your imagination go wild. But yeah, uh, pretty cool terrain piece, I would say. No, Good job, I, I, I remember seeing, yeah, I remember seeing pictures of it. It's actually quite impressive. Now, and, and you know, not to downplay at all, like you said, with the amount of so currently, at least the events that I've been to, we run them out of Toy Wiz up in in New York. And no, you guys do tons of work to put all of that together to to make it actually work. I, I know at times you send like for this one, we recorded some games out of it. Um, the event is set to start 10, 10 30, you know, that kind of time frame. Steve's like, I'll be there by eight. And I know he yep. was there the night before putting stuff together as well. So no, absolutely. To fix out it's, tables it, and all of that. It's, it's it, the amount of like the, the tables, I got to say. And I remember, so I remember, I think it was your event too. And this was maybe, I think, two years ago. Cause you, you started running events about two years ago as well. Um, but it was more sporadic and Jeff was too. But, um, I remember there was this one table that I saw and I know Brett was playing on it and it was using the old, um, oh my God, I can't remember these, uh, the Amphilian, the Amphilian? The Amphilian project. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen and it I guess, for you. I guess you, uh, yeah. And then it was a forest jungle and everything. And I remember seeing that and it was Brett versus Jeff or Brett versus someone. And I was just looking at that table, like, damn, whole it's it's still probably today one of the most favorite tables i think i still have that picture somewhere you do you were but, discussing it like maybe a month ago or something like that you were oh talk, really you were talking about it and showing it to because that's there how i saw is, it yeah. i wasn't around at that time but you're like yeah, hey look at this i just that table was god it looked so damn that was good probably one of the road to damnation um groups events um, yeah i think it's that sounds chris's like it's chris's table, table. Yeah. yeah back when yeah, they no. events through uh mythicos but yeah, stuff like but yeah, that. Yeah, no, that, that's one thing about Horace Heresy is when guys build tables, they they go all out. Like if you look at these pictures, like ninety percent of these tables in the pictures are all things that like Grady put together and yeah. carting back and forth from his house down oh, to Toy you know back to his included? house. I should have included in the slideshow that picture that Grady put on Facebook of like the night before when you were packing up. Oh yeah, and you had like boxes on top of boxes on top of boxes you were packing into your car. I should have included that picture. My entire car with totes. Oh my god! <laughs> it was totes. It was like big boxes, like those big storage boxes of terrain. Lord have mercy. My was entire a- storage room in the basement is. My girlfriend hates it because she's like, all of our like storage and like summer stuff's down there. You completely blocked it in with heresy train. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Listen, hold on, hold on. As I do this for those who don't ever never saw the uh, the the video, but like this is how I. <laughs> Or my terrain on shelves. True. But at the same point, I don't think your wife goes downstairs. True. Yes. Yet. Yet. No. She doesn't go downstairs yet. No, she's going to avoid it because of all the stuff you have there. You know, as well as I do. The minute they come downstairs, Dan, that's when it all changes. I know, I know. My daughter's already wanted to start minute painting miniatures. I actually bought her some of the like bones reaper miniatures to paint. But she sees me painting space marines. We're custodies, but she sees me painting them, and she's like, "I want to paint them too." And I'm like, "Oh, nuts!" That's I gotta awesome, get... though to get them in. Yeah, 
I got to find oh, one of those. Yeah. Remember, I, I think it was White Dwarf. White Dwarf did those like snap fit Marines yes. for like five dollars, and it came like a paint pot. Yeah, right? um, they they still have. So so there's a few different ways they've done yeah. it on White Dwarfs. They also used to have a magazine that literally you could buy. Just buy it. It was called Imperial, Imperial magazine. Yeah, that's how I got thirty um thirty flayed ones for the cost of like you know eight flayed ones. Because I nice. bought the magazine, it was literally one, over under one third the price. So like that, you can still sometimes find issues of those in Barnes and Nobles. I'm um, not always. I've had a little trouble lately, but I do look every now and then because I find really good deals on models. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Um, part of that it's point, like though. Yeah, no, it's all good. Ah, come on, buddy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about how uh, animals are. Yeah, you gotta love the cats. Wait, Claude Brady's away. Let's say some nice things about him. I really <laughs> yeah, like yeah. his army. <laughs> All right, Michael Scott, waiting until people are gone to say good things. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, Steve, do you want to start in? Really on... nice. That's a great shade of green for those sons of Horus. I know. I we were discussing it before, by the way. You weren't on the podcast, but I was saying, like, I, out of all the sons of Horus I've seen, there's only two that I've ever liked. One of them is yours, and then one of them is, and I don't know where I saw it. I want to say it was Reddit. I can't remember, but it was someone who did like a desert base on the Sons of Horus, and they did like a like a like a nice kind of dry brush on the bottom. Um, can't remember where I saw it. But yeah, between you and theirs is the only teal like is like pretty good for Sons of Horus. Yeah. Chris Holmes also has some gorgeous Sons of Horus. Yeah. Maybe it's Chris, I think, that I'm thinking of too as well. There's only really two people. Sons of Horus usually I don't like because people do it too gray or too teal. But you guys have like the perfect like to do Sons of Horus justice, you gotta airbrush. It's the <laughs> which I don't know. <laughs> I still refuse to buy. But, but, <laughs> we'll, we'll convert you eventually, Dan. Because you don't have like workable windows in your basement that you could put very uh, true vent out. Very true, very true. Yeah. I think that's really what it kind of boils down to. But. Same reason I don't have a printer. God, if I had, could you imagine if I had a printer? Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh my God! You, you you would need a second basement. I know, pretty much at that point. Oh yeah, his whole other side would just be terrain <laughs> oh to the rafters. God. All right. Um, All right, Steve, so, do you want to start um, with your questions then? Yes, yes questions. Yeah. So. Do you want to give us the short version? Because you kind of touched on this earlier. Like, who is Hudson Valley Heresy? So Hudson Valley Heresy is a group that's going on about a year now. It originally started as Putnam 30K. And it's formed by me, my brother Malcolm, and one of our good friends, Jeff. As just, we live an hour and a half north of the largest metropolitan area in the world. We figure there has to be people around here that play 30K as well. And if we throw events they're most likely going to come. So that was our thought process behind it all. And then we took a lot of our interests and a lot of things we've seen, especially the Australians, like the I Horse podcast guys, the Outer Circle guys, the events that they've thrown and like some of their tips and just combine that all into what we wanted to be events that as players we'd want to go to and that hopefully that would draw people to come to them. I mean, it's definitely worked. We've sold out every single event with waiting lists. Yeah, I was saying something with that we list. are hoping to address with the next event. Um, so the next event's gonna be a doubles event, which means we could fit almost twice as many people into the room. Already, um, twenty-one people out of thirty-two signed up, and it's been a week. oh wow, that's really good. Wow, wait, it hasn't yeah. even been a week. You announced this Monday. 
Yeah, Monday. Monday. It's been three days. Yeah, three days. I learned my lesson, by the way. Years ago when you did your Putnam 30K event, I remember I didn't wasn't able to get into one because I waited like a week and a half to to like message you and pay. And it was like, oh yeah, you're on the waiting list. I'm like, oh, it's like two, three people. It's like, no, there's like 16 people ahead of you. I was like, oh so I've learned my lesson to whatever you list, just Send that invitation quick. It's the way to do it. Or like one other thing is, especially if you come to a bunch of our events, if you just shoot me a message on Facebook and say, hey, we're definitely coming to you hold me a slot, that's never a problem for me to do. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So uh, that's who you are. So can you tell us about the story that you've been building up <sighs> through all these events so far? So our first event series was over the planet Exodomake. And for our fluff, we're a small subsystem out by the Ghoul Stars. And it's really a backwater. So one of the big things for our campaigns is that we don't allow named characters because this is a backwater that a whole bunch of Shattered Legion forces have rocked up to. People who couldn't stay on track with the main campaigns of the Heresy and are devolved into fighting over this little subsector for whatever little resources they could claim and whatever prestige they can gain for the Legion. So the first Three events of Putnam 30K, now Hudson Valley 30K, were over Exodomake, which is an Imperial mining planet. It hasn't quite reached the status of Forge World, and now it never will, but it was key for getting the components to make Ceramite and other um, materials used by the Mechanicum and the creation of things like Castellax and Domitar. So that was a Loyalist-held planet where the traders made Planetfall and essentially swept over that planet in a matter of weeks. It was tumultuous. There was, by the end of the second event, all that was left standing was a single hive city. And so our third event in that series was the siege of the hive city where we had Legio Mortis break down the gate and the Night Lords and the Iron Warriors essentially rout what was left of the Loyalist garrison. But the Dark Angels and the Raven Guard who were holding the main gate managed to hold it for enough time. So some loyalist forces could extricate themselves and go to the next planet in the system, which is Veraclin. And Veraclin, we're currently fighting on the primary continent on Veraclin, which is Vericel. And that is a giant of a world, but it's an agri-world. So there's not a lot of industry, but what there is is a lot of land and a lot of resources for the humans that help the legions. So it has become a key fight just essentially to keep the legions alive and allow them to keep waging war. So we've had two events set on that planet so far. The first one was the Trader Planet Fall, where they managed to land in the northwestern portion of the continent and establish a pretty solid beachhead. And this last event was them driving down towards the capital of the continent. And while the first set of games for that drive were successful, the second set, a loyalist counterattack, actually managed to form a salient and cut the head off of the Trader Advance. And now that isolated Trader Pocket actually contains both of the trader high command elements and that's where we currently stand for fluff so so you also hit my question three then so what are the narrative repercussions of this outcome so one big thing we're also going to aim to add in for our next event is we have a character progression system that we devised to essentially allow you to build a story for your character as you come to events And for this next event, we're going to have the Talons of the Emperor forces supported by the Loyalist High Command, which is White Scars, attack the Encircled Traitor High Command. And after talking with our other EOs, 
we're going to make character deaths final to add to the narrative. So say Dan's um, tribune, Marcus Aurelius, punches Kyle's Praetor's head in. He's dead. There's no, you got to start a new character. Just to really, what I as a player like is when you're invested in the campaign. So it actually makes you think. So do I want to live to fight another day with my one wound Praetor and run away? Or do I want to see if I can get that six with my Paragon Blade to get a murderous strike and strike him down before I die? And I think actually having character deaths that mean something now, especially after having four events of character progression, makes people think a little bit more and really just involve themselves in the game. Oh, that sounds sick. It's, it's going to be tough. for that. Dan Sweatin, because... He lost well, his uh, Marcus Aurelius two events ago yeah, to the back in the this time. He's gone forever. He gone for well, no, he got his head bolted. No, Marcus Aurelius never. He's this Marcus Aurelius in forty k. It's just he dies. Someone else takes the name and resets the XP track. That's essentially what happens. You got enough. I say you burn the model if, if he dies. <laughs> agreed. Actually, agreed. You know what's so funny? I, have, I was saying I'll bring a blender and we'll drop him into it. Oh there we go. So here's. Will so this is where yes. people judge me because remember, I don't magnetize. I actually have four versions of Marcus Aurelius because there are four weapon configurations you could take for tributes. Well, it sounds like you might lose one of those weapon configurations, <laughs> so you better you better be careful. He won't lose it; it'll just be reconstructed as shards of plastic. There, there you yeah, go. Pretty much, it can be, it can be basing for the next basing one. material. You have to scatter it around. <laughs> Here's an arm for you, a leg for you. I'm keeping Should the be helmet. Interesting. <laughs> So, so I, have, I have a maybe more general question because we, we, you know, we just talked about the the sort of fluff surrounding and those ideas. So, if, if someone's putting together wanting to do more narrative, and and this can go to anyone if someone has a good idea, what's the best way to try to put together a narrative? You know, as someone who's a little bit more um, analytic minded, usually to me, I, the worst thing ever, and and Dan's played D and D with me. The thing that's me longest in D and D is to come up with a name for a character. Usually, it's about a week oh and God. stuff like that. Let alone a whole narrative system. See, so I was gonna say, <laughs> Dave's played narrative D and D with me, so narrative for me is not even a problem because yeah. I go, I go. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll start with the question though. I'll say yeah. like honestly, with narrative games, sometimes building the story, having a pre made story beforehand helps a lot. Like, but how do you okay. come up with the one? I think so that's this the is idea. Gonna, this that's is going to be. Question. So I was just going to. Oh my god! And I hate myself for saying it. it's almost like lesson planning for teachers. Hey, hear me out. I, I, every teacher. I, that's fair. Of, I, I kind of yeah. get that. I think that's fair. And then the and so like the way I do lesson plans is let's say I'm teaching. I don't know. I'm teaching Egypt history, right? Okay. Well, I was going to get more specific than that. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> teaching. Uh, you know, any type of no. Let's say I'm teaching Egypt, right? The way I've taught Egypt over the years has differed. You know, fairly great from when I started teaching to now, but the way it's changed is because I've stolen other ideas, other project ideas, other like I've I've literally just co-opted multiple hundreds of probably on a thousand different lessons to kind of build my own lesson. And from there I improve it ever so, you know, slightly, slightly. And I think that's how it works for like narrative events. You have a narrative in Horus Heresy, pick a favorite time in history, a favorite battle, a favorite campaign, right? It, it just kind of changed the names around a little bit, you know, like, um, so when now you say favorite yeah. battle, favorite campaign, are you talking about in the 40K or 30K no, no. narrative or like the real world and it I'm going to rename it? Okay. So it depends. You can choose a 30K event, read up on it, and then kind of 
mirror off of it. But the problem with that sometimes, and I know you and Grady were talking about it before, was that sometimes the end result might not be the historical end result. So it might leave people salty. So if you want to create your own narrative, right, I say, like, look at something like real world history campaigns and get your inspiration from there. Okay. And that's how I would, that's how I used to, uh, would do it, but that's just me. <laughs> that's fine. So but, the yeah. way I did it is my whole thing's like a lot like D&D. If you create a world and you put up a framework, you add in a couple key events, and then you let the players fill in the in-between. So I'll come up with the name of a, pl- a couple. So right now I have all the planets in the system named. And every time we come to an event, I'll make a map for them. Like, I know we have, like, an, a mining world, an agri world, a death world, a hive world, just checking all the bases. And then each planet, I'll generally write a page of fluff for, like, outlining the industry, how it was brought into compliance, like, what its strengths are, what its environment's like. And then as the players make planet fall and places are conquered and people are killed, I flesh out the story. So that's why I like when you guys give me your Praetor names. Because I could be like, oh, Tribune Marcus Aurelius, I'm on making planet fall, make contact with Sons of Horus Breacher elements while securing this relay position. And it just fleshes out the story. So you start out with, here's an agri world. It's lush forests, fields. There's a couple standard Imperial settlements. There's like a single astropath station. And now you have, all right, well, this one settlement in the north has been destroyed. So the population's fleeing there. This is a settlement where the loyalists have stockpiled munitions that are key for a siege. So one of the trader objectives at this last event was to take the hive city nestled in the mountains to the northwest of the capital because the, the loyalists had stockpiled munitions from the last planet there. So just little things like that that I come up with, I use to give the players like an incentive. This is why you're doing that. This is why you're doing this. Um, one question I have, because actually, oddly enough, the map is currently, for anyone watching YouTube, the map was just up a moment ago. How do you put your maps together? So the first event, I 3D printed tiles. I think I actually have a couple here um, that are kind of like the old Mighty Empires and Galactic Empires tiles, but there's an STL form. So I 3D printed a whole tile map. Okay. And that was nice and fun. And for the next event, I wanted to take it to the next level. So there's an app, not an app, there's a website called Incarnate, I-N-K-A-R-N-A-T-E. And it's a D&D um, design thing that allows you to build essentially mats. But then there's, so there's like a whole bunch of different scales. And so if you scale it all the way back to like the continent size, that's the software that I use to make this map. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll I'll put a I'll put a link to that then on the YouTube because I actually just pulled that up because that was one thing I had to say you know th- those little touches that people put in and I think this is a key feature for someone wanting to put together say a campaign or or any sort of like that getting people um, staying in the hobby it's those little extra bits so things like having a very nicely put together map you know it 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 draws the people in being able to see that you know we start um one one of the reports comes out we'll see a little bit of this i'm going to cut it into the beginning of the report but essentially yeah there's a big old map on the board we have little chits with um our legion symbols on them and we're placing them onto the map so we're figuring out usually this particular one is traders since we were i guess you know the ones storming our way in ours went down first the loyalists respond and a bit of back and forth so there's a a bit of sort of a game there involved as well but it happens on this sort of nice map environment surface whatever you want to call those sort of pieces so so 
one of the thought processes behind that hmm. was as a player, I was never a fan of the old bracket style of pairing, especially in terms of narrative events where it was just based on points from previous games. And I always like, I'm a very visual person. So having that map and that little icon was one of my favorite things from events I used to go to. So to just switch that over and put it in my events, I thought was a no brainer. No, I, 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 I do think it works actually really well doing it that way. Because, like I said, one, it gives you a little bit more reason as to why you might be fighting someone other than you won and they won or anything like that. And let's face it, if you're doing narrative, at least for what we do, it's not a tournament. So we're not trying to cram in, you know, four games or three games in a day and three games the next day or or trying to get to that sort of winner. So any other Mm -hmm. format would almost feel a little random anyway. Half the people there have won. So you're randomly pairing half of the people. So. Exactly. And then one of the biggest things with 40K is like if you get a good matchup your first game and you win it and that sets you up. But as we've seen from our events, you could have a great first game because of the pairing. And then the second game, your liege just paired up against a list that happens to sneak through your lines and it just takes you out. So that yeah. kind of allows people who also lost round one to then get a great victory round two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think one of the key things as we see with this or just in general when you're running events or and it's more focused on the hobby aspect, the fun aspect is, you know, to keep it where it shouldn't really matter if you win or lose. It matters like the overall thing, but for you personally, if you lost, you should hopefully still have fun. Where yeah, if it's mm-hmm. a competitive thing, it's not really fun if you start losing. No. Not to an extent at least. Um and that's the whole thing like at the end of the day myself as a player, and I think a lot of people in 30K, I play because I enjoy hanging out with you guys. I like seeing everyone's armies in the tabletop. And I would much rather lose a close game than come in and just knock someone's head off and table them. Oh, agreed. 100%. Yeah. Like, one of my favorite games was at our last event. Um, we had a Centurion event, and I played against Dan's Custodes. And that came down to the last turn, and that was... To this literally, day, one of my literally. favorite games. <laughs> I, had, I had two Terminators and I think a single Guardian left. And you had a sniper squad left. Were the, the Huskar still, or Chieftain still running? Or Huskar still running? No, no, they shot Marcus Aurelius in the face. In the yeah, last no, they did a 360 no scope. Yeah, they, they rolled a six to hit, six to wound, yeah, and I had one wound left. Oh my Jesus Christ. Ooh. And then I charged his sniper Marines and he killed two Aqualons and the one Aqualon uh, took him out. So he had like a pair of running away chieftains or Huskar or whatever they're called or veterans. And I had like a guard and an Aqualon left. And it was just like, we're looking at each other like, holy, <laughs> what is this game? <laughs> this is a really good game. That was that definitely top one of my games. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I lost at the end of the day, but then I've also had games where you're done by turn two, just whether it's bad rolling or a bad pair. And then, well, everyone else is playing for two and a half more hours. What am I going to do now? Like, I don't care that I won. I came to this event to play, not to. Yeah. Yeah, Dan and I had a, had a game like that, um, and it's recorded and coming out soon. Um, uh, the first where... one is out. Oh, true. It is out. Yeah, it is out. First one um, dropped uh, today. Yeah, the Armada uh, uh, game. I watched that once worked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, where it's like, hey, look, the are in my lines. They took all the objectives and blew them up. 
I have yeah, like we were playing... one score unit left. Yeah. Good game. Yeah, that pl- that mission, I still we still talked about it. It was the uh, for Grady's sake, like we were playing the uh, new demon mission. Grady, the narrative yeah. demon mission. I watched it today. The yeah. relic. Yeah, he said he watched yeah, it. It yeah. was just oh, he did. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, it was just it was just we were trying to figure it out for a good twenty minutes, like how to actually how to actually like fix it because it was like you blow up the objective so quickly and it's just like you don't get Kabanda on the table or whatever demons you take, and we're just sitting there like I don't get it. I think I, you need to build around the scenario. Yeah, pretty much. Forces. I think it requires specifically tailored list to the scenario. Yeah, I don't, yes. that isn't a mission I would run at an event because it's just no. way more. Yeah, no, it's such a skew. Like if you don't have scout as the defender, you're done for. Yeah, just give up victory points right away. That's true because that is at least and because what's weird is that's one of the ones where the defender goes first it down on the table, but the attacker starts the game. Yeah. So they can actually decide. The only what you're doing. reason, spoilers, the only reason that the second game was as close as it was is because I seized. If I didn't seize, yeah. it would have been repeated game one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that one is I'm currently being edited to hopefully like out soon. You need to have secondaries that are enough to swing the game, which I don't believe that mission has. No. I'm back not, and forth. I, 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 was there. I think when they, when they play test, and we're going to assume a magical world where there's a lot of play testing, I don't know if that's true at all. <laughs> but I, I think with that, they run very different styles. And I think if the assaulting force is, you know, like a mix between, say, shooting and assault, and the force in the middle is maybe a little more defensive, yeah, it probably does balance more. I I assume they did their points because they said, hey, you know what? Oh, it always kind of worked out this way. Let's put these points here. Much like in the past, where it used to people played at two thousand, but they tested at like, like fifteen hundred. They used to mm-hmm. be what they do at forty k, and people would be like the game's all crazy. Yeah, because you're not playing the way they did, intentionally or unintentionally. I think sometimes that's what it is. Although that's assuming they actually went through and tested it. They might say it's narrative. It doesn't matter. Oh no, and like the same thing with that. It doesn't. That's why I think that's a great mission to play with your buddy in a basement. But I don't think as an EO, I'd oh yeah, no, put that down as one of the yeah, missions no. to make people play. No, no, so, no, that would be a big problem. This leads me to question number four that I wrote down also smoothly. When you're putting together the right, how do you pick your scenarios? Like, mm-hmm. what thought process goes into the scenario, whether it's for thematic purposes, for gameplay purposes, whatever? Honestly, when I'm writing a mission, I get a lot of motivation from events that I've gone to and battle reports on YouTube where I'll just pick and grab parts of different missions and kind of put them together at the end of the day while narrative missions are really good i normally only put together super narrative missions for like show play games like the assault on the gate at the Mm -hmm. um with the titan or like this at this next event with danny's custodies decapitation strike mission because I know what armies are going in, I know what list people are taking, and I can kind of build a mission that works well for everyone and will be a beautiful showcase game. But for regular missions, I try to have one that no matter what kind of list you bring, you have a chance of fighting and winning, and also that you won't be blown off the table in two turns. So I'll look at, especially now that line is so rare in some armies... I definitely been a little secondary objective heavy just to give armies that don't have a lot of line units because they're right of war a chance to win the game. 
makes yeah. sense to me. So to the to the other gentleman, then what what do you guys think makes a good? I guess I guess just good mission. So we're we're talking more of you know narrative yeah. or hobby sort yeah. of focus. What makes it a good mission? So I've spoken that this at length, but um, I love progressive scoring. Um, uh, I. I was never a big fan of the old kind of score at the end um, because it kind of sometimes makes the game happen. And at the very end, you it's like, oh, all this happened, but now I'm on one objective. I win. It, it kind of makes it. Eh. Um, I'm not to the point where it's like 40 K progressive scoring because dear God, it's a hundred points to keep track of. Please. No. Um, but very much like sit. Yeah, please. It's I'm already not great at math. Um, <laughs> no, it's just Jesus. Um but enough progressive scoring to make sure that, you know, line is effective, you know? Um, and then, of course, good secondaries. I love hidden secondaries. I know Grady does that a lot, but hidden secondaries or hidden missions. Um, and I know I sent this to Grady, but um, I've been like, so, you know, people who watch this have been, you know, seeing our conquest or talking about conquest. Yes. Um, and, you know, right now I'm, I'm loving, like, I, I want to almost take a while or maybe during spring break and maybe just write or co-opt some missions from conquest back into 30 K or 40 K because oh. the, oh. sorry to interrupt you, but no, I know you're good. A, a little birdie might tell you, you might see some conquest influence on the mission packets at our next event. Cause Dan was Ooh. pointing some great things out to me. I think that blood is still my favorite, stupid con the, the one with like, it's a, it's like, I think it's a four by four objectives. Okay. Right, so it's 16 objectives and the a is over here and b is over here so it's diametrically opposed yeah. right and if you get to connect objective a to objective b you win automatically but you can only connect objectives that are linked essentially um and i was like that's funny that seems so stupid fantastic yeah. um because you're constantly moving around the battlefield and, ho and holding stuff down so that your links don't break um yeah. their missions yeah i, I think do a good job Okay, their missions work great for Conquest. I think their missions could easily be converted over to other games if you make certain considerations. Part of the consideration is in Conquest, for most things score. If you're not light, you score. And even if you're light, if you're a monster, you score. For Terms are a little bit different, but let's keep it simple in the terms. Um, where in 30K, no, you have to have very particular rules. And depending on the types of rights you, where you bring, you may have a few or a lot. So I think their missions can do a really good job. Just some of them, the ones that are very um, objective focused, like tons of objectives, those probably need tweaking. Or you make some other allowances for other types of units because they do have some where there's like six objectives on the board of like some that are six inch or nine inch. They have 12 inch. The, the sizes are also random as well. Well, if you look at the core book for 30K, some scenarios like uh, Tide of Carnage says that all vehicles that aren't flyers are also scoring units. Yes. So allowances like that are easy because there's this precedent. So no one's be like, oh, how could you do that? Big guns never retired from old 40 I was just going to say, I was book. trying to remember. I know, that's why I said it before. Scouring? The scouring, scouring was fast attack. It was a fast attack. And yes. yeah, big guns never retire. Was big guns scouring. never retire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, no, man. that's something I'm definitely going to work on including more is because I think the inclusion of line to make people take the generic units is great. But then some rights of war not giving key units line, I feel, is a handicap into itself. And then others give it to everyone that shows up. And it's Ultramarines. Like, yes. Ultramarines, <laughs> Imperial Fists. Mechanicum. Cybernetica. But not, but not Dark Angels. Not no. my favorite Mechanicum no. thing, Skitari. 
Mm. Oh, remember, they're not Mechanicum. They're only in Titans <laughs> to, to rub their are... salt in the wound. <sighs> but they're still to... at, at least their Mechanicum subtype. So Listen, they can use their advanced if reaction. Skitari, if Skatari changed to be part of like Mechanicum without being allies, right? I better see sisters change to be part of Custodians because nothing salts me more. Like top three salt of Liber Imperium is that they split sisters and custodians. And it's so funny because we fought so hard for that in 40K to be joined up because they split it in 40K, right? And everyone's yeah, like, why? This is so dumb. And finally, I think it was the ninth edition codex was like, no, they're together. They have the same keywords. And we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then Liber Imperium is like, nah, ha, 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 sucker. They're split again. I was like, no. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh my God. Anyway. Yeah, they. It is rather, I guess, unbalanced might be the best phrase to use between what works for what and what works in what way. Like you said, some of those rights of war, like hey, you're all line, great. Other ones, you get near nothing for their missions. It's not too bad because their missions don't. Their GW's current missions don't have a lot of. Honestly, they don't have a lot of scoring realistically. Um, but we've already seen from at least the one they put out for uh, Cthonia, um that it is progressive scoring and the hope is that more missions there are it's so also it's four be. turn limit which i think is interesting i don't know if grady picked up on that at all i so i'm of conflicted as a heresy eo generally at a 3k and up event you're getting in two games at that point i don't like low turn length games because people came to have a day of gaming and four turns, especially if two smaller armies, can be done in like an hour and a half to two hours. Mm -hmm. So for 3K events, I like five, six turn games. But on the other hand, if I was running like a 1500 point Centurion event, I like four turn games because we're trying to pump them through. And I think because the Chthonian missions are ZM, it works. But as a player, four turns is also, especially if you're running something with Deep Strike or with Reserves... You may not even have your entire army on the board for more than a turn. Exactly. I, 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 I'm split on that because of how powerful Deep Strike is, and then I'm split on how powerful Deep Strike is because of all grease scanners. Exactly. So it's it's weird because it like it keeps boiling into another topic, which is very annoying. Because for me, like Deep Strike can be exceptionally powerful, like Blood Angels. Deep striking down is one of the more powerful things. I was actually talking to someone on Facebook because I was putting together like a tips and tricks, maybe fixes for custodians on, or people facing against custodians, what to do. And I posted on Facebook and someone uh, put like Blood Angels, ironically, are one of the best counters to custodians because when they deep strike down with AP2 and some of them are initiative five, it's mutual destruction, but you still have your assault cannons backing you up. Um, so like a four turn game, and this is just from like a custodian point of view, mm -hmm. If I take custodians that are deep striking and it's only four turns, I might not even take a lot of deep strike or I might put weaker things in deep strike because in a six term game, okay, if I put 1800 points in deep strike, they'll see at least still three turns of combat or three turns of, of fighting, but four turns. Uh, it, it, it's a list thing that you have to build for. If that's the exactly. sort of game that you're going to play, you have to play knowing that that's a facet of the game. Yeah, and it's but I like I like the fact that I'm now all of a sudden like oh hold on a second, you know deep striking I love deep striking because that's just my fluffiness because I love the whole point of the golden light, but like now I'm just like hmm four turns that's 
that's spicy. Maybe I might work in more tanks or maybe a Venetari or uh, it's just, it's interesting because it like changes the, it changes the whole system. Yeah, I'm interested to see if more of those missions are, is it four turns? Is this like some sort of weird new standard that they're going with that they just didn't tell us about? I guess we shall see. It's GW. Who knows? It's GW. <laughs> Not me. Um, is there other questions you had written down, Steve? I don't think I have less. It's a very, very, very open-ended. Any advice you would want to share with others who might want to run events? Yeah. Get a 3D printer. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrain, I find, makes heresy complete. And if you have good tables, people push themselves to paint their armies harder. Everyone just loves a good scenic event. And a nice 3D printer, an Ender 3. I've printed nine tables worth of terrain. Um, other than that, is just reach out and talk to people. Ask questions. Like, there's so many people who used to run events, who still do run events, who would be more than happy to share mission packets, share just any little tips or tricks they have. Because at the end of the day, everyone who plays Heresy wants Heresy to grow, wants the community to play more, and wants new people to get into it. And the only way you really do that and get that big community drive is through events. And especially now with 2.0, there needs to be people to run events because... Say you have a first-time player, they go to their hobby store, they grab that Age of Darkness box. All right, they're set. They have like a 2,500-point list. They grab like a two Predators. Maybe you have some friends you play, hopefully, but if you don't, you're relying on that store to provide a community to play. And what's better than, oh, yeah, so this these people run events here every couple months. Here's the Facebook page. Hop on. And then you get out there, and at that event, you meet people around there who also play Heresy. So then you can build your own group of guys that you play with. I don't know. I find I've made a lot of good friends at events, and a lot of people who I never would have known live around me who play Heresy mm -hmm. through events. And then my last tip for having events is I'm a little bit of a snob, fully painted. I think the fully painted aspect on a fully painted table is one of the best parts for immersive wargaming. And when everyone just puts that effort in, a three colors, a wash, and a dry brush, everything looks incredible. And not to knock on 40K, but I lose immersion when it's a black building with gray models running around it. <laughs> so my that's that's and one of my buildings a weird abstract shape. Like here's my my Enigmatic L corner. Exactly. It and happens to match magical four corners. Magical boxes and yeah, no. I will say to your second point, I think we had two new players at the last event too. Yes, we've yes. been raking in around two to three new players at every event, and every time they've come back. Yeah. It's it, it's it, yeah. It's the building the community. No, because I've got to organize. Events definitely build community. Yeah, it's, yes. it's the best way people say. Like I might have roped in one of our regulars by being, oh yeah, you want to check this game out? Stop on by. We have an event, and then just here's an army. Roll dice with me, and they kind of meandered away from the table. He's gonna hear this. And he's like, yeah, you did me dirty, Steve. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, when I wanted fun. when I wanted to start Alpha Legion because I was about this close to starting it. I mean, um, you, that bought close, you bought everything. You bought it. Okay, so oh, I sold it. Then I sold it. Yes. Don't don't tell anyone. 
<laughs> you're the like very few people know that I had. I think it was five thousand points bought of. No wait, hold on, it was more. Don't tell anyone, as he says it on our podcast. On a podcast, oh yeah. Listen well, by a good amount of people. Hopefully, more as time goes on, but a good amount of people. Don't tell Don't. Henry; he'll be disappointed there wasn't more custodies. Yeah, no. Oh my god, no! I bought like six thousand points of Alpha Legion. Yeah, because you bought like a thousand points of Lenarins. It was all. It was all Lenarins. No, just no, there was no, nothing. But First Linerans. of all, we're not wrong. No, no, it was that. thirty. It was thirty Lenarins. It, it was thirty 90. head seekers. No, so it was thirty Lenarins. 30 head, not head seekers. That's head, hunters. head hunters. Is it, head hunters. Is it 250 points for five? For the Lernaeans or the head, or the head takers? Lernaeans. I don't know, actually. I'll see if I can look it up. I'm actually, yeah, look no, it up, I can't. Was... Well, I'm restricted on what I can look up because I'm the one streaming everything. Steve, open up Battlescribe real quick. Figure out what, thir- uh, what 10 Lernaeans is and multiply by three. I can do it on my phone. I'm getting don't even at. add the conversion beamers. Don't even add conversion beamers. But I had to. But it was yeah. It was thirty Linnaeans, thirty head takers. I bought two ages age of darkness boxes. I bought all the special characters. I bought the Primark. Um, and sold it before he touched a one. Yeah, I sold it before I touched one because the Mechanicum book was coming out in August. And I sold it, and that's what funded my literal Myrmidon army. This all then, happened in June, July. And, the, yeah, and then I and painted my Myrmidon army. Any games with yeah. him for months. And then I did it. And then I painted my Myrmidon army, much to Stephen's chagrin. Um, chagrin. I painted him what? Chagrin. Sorry. Yeah, in, a, okay. in a week or two, like 3,000 points in about a week, maybe two. I hate you. It's okay, Dan. <laughs> it's okay, because I'm going to paint 2,000 points of city states in one week. Oh God! Don't do. Oh. Build I told and you. Paint. Tell me when we'll we'll stream that. We're just yeah. gonna sit here and oh, paint absolutely. for hours. Oh my God! Absolutely. I'm gonna. I'm starting on Saturday. We're gonna make it unwatchable. I have the. I have my Dweg spray. All I have to do is sit down and just like, like then, do with the blood. Hey, think do that's with, what we're doing Saturday. Yeah. There Jeez, we go. I'm sit down and do it like I did with my sister's, you know, uh-huh. miniatures. Like I did with the stupid seventy blood letters. But anyway, um, subscribe on my computer only has the uh, previous. So I looked it up. They're 250 points for five. If you bought six packs, that's 1,500 points. So remember when I said a thousand? Yeah, I was lowballing apparently. Yeah, but I bought all the special characters, all the Primark, um, and then yeah, I bought the Myrmidons, and then of course Myrmidons turned out to be, <sighs> yeah, wrong. Dan just that, trips into for, oops. Here's yeah. Trophy so for Grady, time. since you since you're not in New Jersey, like you don't play at our store, I have a habit of starting an army that is generally very very weak. Right. Like, for example, when Grey Knights first came out in plastic, they were not the greatest. Right. Mm -hmm. So I bought myself Paladins because I wanted 40 millimeter, you know, Terminators. Mm -hmm. And then Sixth edition came out and Drago Wing became. No, 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 no. Drago Wing was broken the minute that book came out. Oh, true. It was was the first Blood and Skulls they ran after that book dropped. And then after that, I collected Knights when Knights were kind of off and not great. And then the army book comes out and they were broken. Um, and I tend to like, <laughs> honestly, I tend to align to games workshop. Yeah. yeah honestly, pretty much. The, the, the key is get something that's going to get a book soon. Unfortunately, that's what it is. Cause Hey, you get a new book. Yeah. You're probably going to be real good. Happened every time. And I, I know our friend Luke makes fun of me. He'll actually text me, but like, so Dan, uh, what you thinking of buying? Like any, anything you're thinking of buying soon? And I'm like, yeah, for oh, best example, we were doing demons. Right. And I, and I was painting my demons, all those demons. 
And I was like, you know what? I want to buy, I want to start like corn. So I'm going to buy four bloodthirsters. I bought like 120 blood letters, um, but for cheap, this was all like, I bought 120 blood letters for like 50 bucks. Someone like threw them at me essentially. Um, and I bought Scarbrand and I said, I'm not going to buy Bellacore, but if I had Bellacore, I would use him because he's really cool. Turns out what's a medalist? Scarbrand and uh, Bellacore with Bloodthirster. I'm just like, oh my God, stop. <laughs> Don't buy a list, buy an army. Well, that's what I do. I buy the army. Well, the other problem, Dave, is that I buy the army and then like I come, I, this happens. Well, yes. <laughs> that is buy an true. army, own every list. Yeah, own every list. Oh my God, someone was making fun of me because. Um, uh, custodies in 40k just got like line back and everything yes, it and i've been screaming from the top of the head you know wardens are great wardens are great and people are like no they're not no they're not they suck they still suck and i think it was they won three gts it was like two sets of 10 warden squads and i'm just like sure but the question <laughs> there is okay i we're not going to get into that but it's like also yeah. what is in the rest of the list because there's other factors. true true well that's also uh, um that's also 1500 points of your list or no, sorry, 1,200 points of your list. That's a lot of list. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's... it's. Um, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> I forgot what even started this tangent. Lord have mercy on my soul. Um, Let's see, so backtracking. Dan breaks whatever he touches. Yes. Um. Some, somehow we went from Advice for new people to Dan breaks everything. Yeah, yes. what the hell did this? The, the, how the, did we get there? The main topic was essentially advice for people who want to be able to put their own events together. Ah, yes, yes, or, yes. or sort of ongoing campaigns. One more thing is find a local hobby store. Yes, mm-hmm. we're very lucky to have Toyways, which is kind of centrally located for the New Jersey guys and the New York guys. But a local hobby store is a great feature for running events. If you sadly don't have one near you. Look at like VFWs. Like our first run was ran at a social club at a lake. Because you just need to find that space. And once you have a space and you have the tables, the hardest parts for running an event are out of the way. Everything else will just kind of fall into place after that. Space, tables, excitement. Exactly. The excitement you um, figure is probably one of the easier things to potentially get because pe- people want to play games. You know, well, people want to do this stuff. Turning excitement into attendance, though, that so takes that's time. Rough. Hurt, yeah. pl- players are like herding cats. It's yeah, very tough. Um, I've implemented uh, if you cancel less than one week out, no more refunds. Because I get life happens, but at the end of the day, like the store, like everything costs money, and I found that to be different. But also. I don't know whether, like, obviously life happens, but I never knew, like, a more flaky group than Wargamers when it comes to attendance. D&D. D&D? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's I'll probably yeah. true. I'll one up you. I will one-up you and say D&D. Hands have, down. Have a month head up, heads up for an event and collect Minimum. money up front. Yes. Yep. That way people can take off of work. They have to take off of work. And now they're financially invested. So when they the show up. Yep. 100%. What I normally do is your spot's not secured until you PayPal in your slot. Like, you could say you're coming, you could do that, yada, 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 but until you send that PayPal in, you're not locked in. Yeah. Just because that gives them... But heck, even that, I've had times where people PayPal and they just don't show up, don't message me, they're not coming, nothing. I'm like, what are you people doing? 
Some people got and money to burn. That's especially yeah. frustrating because then when we have a waiting list and then nobody tells you they're not coming, so you're there and you're two people down, and you're like, "Well, there was waiting list people who would have been here." And I think so that's um, just my airing of grievances. At the end of the day, Heresy needs more people to throw events. We're at the beginning of a new edition, and if you don't throw events and you don't build a community, it'll sputter. So, anyone has any questions, feel free to join our group on Facebook, Hudson Valley Heresy. And ask questions, really. It's, that's what I did. I asked EOs of events I went to. I talked to friends who'd thrown events in the past. And you can disagree with stuff people tell you and put your own spin on it. But just people who have real-world experience at running events would be your greatest asset. Yep. I feel that. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I mean, it somewhat goes without saying, but for ours, you know, we, we do prize support, but it is random draws ravels or, or best painted yes. that kind of stuff so or a narrative event you don't want to be tied yeah. to wins no you, but you also i i fully feel you want to do something it, it's it's not that the chance i go win something is what brings me out but it's a nice also thing of like oh i'm going out oh i might get something out of it as well get to play some fun games or you know oh i really took a lot of time to paint my stuff or maybe this painted um it, I, I think for heresy you definitely exactly. want that for any system exactly especially some of the armies we have coming to our event i'm like holy moly <laughs> Bro, Tyler, every single time he breaks out his army, I just, I'm shamed every single time. This is a man who marble painted his ultramarines. Yeah. You know, I he, just, he deserve that best painted. I just, I can't. I look at his army and I just like, my eyes drop and I'm like, oh man, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're efficient. Like, yes, that is has true. A quality all its own. Yeah, but so, yeah, pretty much. Um, but no, I, I, I will say, and I don't think Grady's ever heard this comment, uh, but I won't say his name, but I've had heard, had a person come to me, or at least over here, saying that he loves the fact that the prize support is random and not tied to wins because he's tired of tied to win prize support because that attracts people who want to, who make baller lists and meta lists. Yeah. And instead, I mean, we still make winning lists for 30K. It's not like, oh, they're still like hard lists and heresy. It's not an Olympics but it's not, of who loses hardest. Exactly. But you no longer have to gear up hard in order to experience or a play game. hard or play yep. hard. Like, like it's the, like if I'm at a tournament and I pay $35 to be at a tournament and I know first prize is $200. If an opponent makes a mistake, I'm probably still going to help him because that's just my nature. But in my head, I'll be like, mm, maybe I shouldn't help him because that gains me the advantage and he forgot this rule. Versus in 30K, I'm like, hey, listen, this is going to be real stupid, but I'm going to challenge you. Are you going to challenge me? You are? Okay, I'm not going to shoot you. You're not going to shoot me? Okay, let's do this. Middle of the battlefield. Let's go. Yes. Stupid shit like that is, 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 yeah, that's just awesome. Yeah. That, that's what why. And then, like you guys say, breaking the game isn't hard. Like, if you wanted no. to run a crazy list, load up on your Contemptors, your Leviathans, your Heavy Support Squads, your Nemesis Bolters, and you're just min-maxing. Point-wise, that's more effective than anything else in the game. And you put it on, like, it's not... It doesn't take a lot of skill to break a game. It takes a lot more skill, in my opinion, and shows you're a better player when you could win games with a, a not-optimized list. Yep. Yeah. Um, I know this for ours again for anyone who's thinking of this we we do I don't want to say so comp but yeah we do look and say hey we look over you know lists are looked over we want to make sure anything's too crazy we do put some limitations on certain things partially also because not everyone in the community is on equal footing if someone just has either been in longer or collected a different army they might have a lot of choices like in mind yet yeah, there's limits on heavy support 
And that makes perfect sense. My army actually does heavy support very well. I bought a bunch because like, oh, Reaping, that's cool with heavy support. I'll run that in a friendly or, or if someone knows. But in this, yeah, if I place the wrong person, it's not going to be fun because I could just wipe the board with them because I'm just going to have more and potentially better shots. Oh, mm-hmm. our poor word bearers player. Go oh, yeah. oh, no. Sisters of Silence. Sisters of Silence. Yeah. Oh, no. He had fun, though. He did have fun. He did have fun, yeah. He did. He saying, wow, that was something. I learned I a will- lot. He's a younger kid, and he had his stuff painted. He came out. He had cool conversions, props. Like, we need more people who yeah. are younger kids who have that drive for hobby. That Margal was on point. He, I think he used the um. What did he use? It was that period thing. No, 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 no. Here Wasn't it the? T- he used like the, the the chest was open. He had. I thought they were three D printed, but he had some bits on. Oh yeah. Point is, it was a great looking army. Um. Yeah, and I agree with you, Dave. It 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 it's like I actually you don't mind Grady. I'll talk about this. We me and Grady were talking on the side because one of the big things with the Library and Pyramid, we've talked about this before, was like the Meridian Blades being free versus Paragon Blades. And I just straight up approached Grady. I'm like, listen, I I'm the only real custodian player, or there might be another person. Here's a recommendation: just swap Paragon Blade with Meridian Blade. I don't mind. I think it's fair and it makes the game work better. Exactly. And that's just a, yeah. It's just a conversation. And we try, I, I, I like had him run normal stuff for two events. And after the second event, we decided to make the switch. Like, yeah, but that's as an EO. Also, you have to be open to your community. Like you have to kind of read the tides and work with them. Like, I think like I also allow certain things that like Mornival and um, Panopticon, like, since we're not competitive, if you have some guy who's really passionate about a converted unit, it's not official GW. Unless it's game breaking, I don't. As an individual, I don't see any harm in allowing someone to play with something they're excited for, if it's not gonna a great mess example. With else's day. Yeah, great example. Um, we were talking after the event a little bit, just chatting, and I'm like, "Yeah, it really sucks. You can't put tech marines and apothecaries into command squads. Greedy's like, I don't care about that rule. It's a stupid rule. You do it. I'm like, oh my god, wait. Awesome. What was the, what was the rule during our game, this event, that I was like, that is the stupidest crap I've ever oh, heard in my life. So Don't do that. The Sons of Horus special rule, the only way we get it is on a successful charge. Yeah, Under the disordered charge section of the rule book, it lays yeah, no. a disordered charge as being unsuccessful for the purposes of rules that require a successful charge. So yeah. that means if Ew. Dan charges me, is disordered, I don't get my special rule. If he chooses to hold the line when I charge, I'm disordered, I don't get my special rule. So if someone wanted to be really gamey, all they'd have to do to ruin a Sons of Horus player's day is just disorder their own charges, just multi-charge. Yeah. So, like, I, when I, so what I did was, to give you an idea of the game, I charged his Contemptor and his Chieftain unit, right? Because I wanted to throw some just bodies at the Chieftain unit uh, because I knew the rad grenades would kind of wipe the Aqualons. And he goes, yeah, no, I don't get the minus one strength. And I'm like, wait, what the, what? And he goes, yeah, you disordered, charged me. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, it's not successful. I'm like, what? And so because of the way it's worded, he doesn't get that rule. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You are not, no. And so we took it. And my, my spears didn't kill a single thing. What killed the chieftains were, I guess, my dreadnought. That rule. Yeah. yeah the, it's shocking, I know. Was the brutal dreadnought. And I don't even think the Aqualons. Aqualons only killed like two people. It was literally the brutal dreadnought that killed like five dudes. That's brutal what is... brutal dreadnoughts do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. that's what brutal does. Because even my Aquilons almost bounced off of them. Um, so I had it just not been for the contemptor, 
I would have lost that matchup or it would have been a lot. Yeah, I would have looked in the rag grenades charge me. Um, but yeah, it was just like, what? That doesn't make any So that's, again, that's stuff that I agree. And EO has to be open to because sometimes modifications like that are necessary. Because, listen, GW is great, but sometimes they write rules. Exactly. Interestingly, like uh, the No Brutal on Knights, which Lewis, poor Lewis has to deal with. Well, I cool. highly recommend adopting the adjustment that Panoptica does. It allows them to take zero to three um, the Mechanicum ones, the Moirax. Because it oh, that's right. He some explained that to me. And oh some decent range attacks. I forgot they can't even take um, Moirax. I played it with him, and it, it helped him a lot without like giving him a win. And it's and like, what, the Chainsword... The chainsword isn't that brutal. The nope. fist does. Chainsword has shred. The, the the grabby claws has brutal because it's a siege wrecker. So it's no. But shred what about the power 14. fist? There's no power. No, oh, on the, the big knight. Yeah, on the big knight. No, it's yeah. not brutal. No, it's not. It's not brutal. Only grabby <sighs> hands. Oh my god. But no, like, so here. if Lewis messaged me and was like, "Hey, literally, all I do is take a look at it." And I'm like, "If it makes sense to me, I'm like, go ahead." Like, yes. Yeah. I'm going to make that man so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense to me to let a company that's halfway around the world who made a little error when writing a gigantic rule book. Of, like, like Dan says, we're not playing for big cash prizes. Games Workshop doesn't give me any support. So if you guys, like, at the end of the day, there's no reason to negatively affect someone's hobby. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else, gentlemen? My last thing is is mm -hmm. throw events. Even if you only have eight people, just getting people out there to play the game. I met all of you guys through events. You yeah. make friends. You learn painting techniques. You see other armies. And wargaming is a social hobby. It for me, is my favorite thing that I get all my painting drive by event dates. I get excited to hang out with everybody. I'm excited to have the tables set up to see people's reaction to my scenarios. Events, I think, are the lifeblood of the hobby. And I think we need to see more of them. I'm actually surprised being our proximity, our location, that there aren't more events. I thought with 2.0 we'd see a takeoff. Yeah. But... I think thing. it's hard. It, some people are always kind of scared to run at events is the big thing. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that turns me off to run at events and I talked about this, but this was like, Oh my God, like our third or fourth podcast, Dave, this is before Steve joined. That's, and I remember I talked so about how old. I, I know doing this almost ran, two years. I wait, what oh, July will have done it so, for two years. I joined on December last year. So like, yeah, 15, 16 months ago now? Wait, we've been doing this for... So wait. Our first yeah. release... Our, our first recording, I think, was actually like August, something like that. I'd look it up right now, but I can't look it no, up. No, no, you're good. I, I'm just... Sorry. <laughs> I'm okay. Um, but I remember... I don't know if you remember this conversation, but I was like, the reason I get hesitant about running uh, you know, events is because I get scared if they fail. Like that yeah. one Titanicus one I ran... Um, no, and like 16 that. people showed up, but like three, six people signed up, but it was only like three people showed up yeah. and we had one and I set up the tables and everything and only three people showed up and I was super mad about it. Um, I think that's what always like the biggest fear people have, but honestly, now that I guess I'm older, 
<laughs> about two, uh, about, yeah, several years yeah. older. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's now I'm just kind of like, if no one shows up, I'll just order pizza and we just kind of hang out and play. That's uh, so what I was just going to say. Like, I've had a few non starter 40K events in the last couple of years, and it's like, okay, you know, the same three guys as always are here. Cool. Let's take our entry money, order a pizza, and just chill. Yeah. It, 100%. I was my first event. I was very worried about selling and getting stuff like that. But now that I, when you grow the community, you get to learn who. When Dan signs up, when Dan signs up, when Steve signs up, I'm like, all right, those guys are reliable. And also you guys talk to me going from the day you sign up until the event. And I think that's one of the, one other thing as an EO is you have to annoy people with the amount you post about the event. You have to be a pain in the butt on Facebook. Keep it in the front of their minds. Exactly. Yeah. What are you working on? What are you working on? What are you working on? I don't even think we asked you. What are you working on? Because I noticed you were painting. That's true, actually. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I was going to end it with that, but I, I just noticed you were really into What are you painting? So I've painted up my entire Sons of Horus army. So now I've run 6K of Sons of Horus painted, burnt myself out of power armor. So before I start my next heresy project, me and a couple buddies have been talking about Necro. So let me move my screen so I can Necromunda? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been working on. I don't know how. Uh, that's terrible with the lighting. The light's totally yeah. killing. I, yeah, yeah. You actually probably be fine where you were before. It's the light that's the problem. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So some ash nomads. I love those sculpts so much. Working on my gang. It's the first couple there. I have to do some more airbrushing, but just it's such a nice break from power armor. And after my. Nomad's gang is done. I'm going to start my next army for Heresy, which is going to be Skatari Phalanxes backed up by allied Domitars and Vorax. Oh, that sounds so good. So I, I love this little fun painting break of like 20 models where I can do all sorts of different. Ta- also, painting leathers and fur after painting power armor. It's just a nice, just refresher. Agree. Oh, that's why I started the Demons. I still painted one skin day for, for them, Dan. One day. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> you, got, you got some. And, and you it's used so, so, some. So, for those who don't know, I started a demon army right at almost the pit end of 1.0, but I don't like painting unpainted models. I paint my models first and then I play them. Playing right? unpainted models. You said, I don't like painting unpainted models. Oh. And what kind of models do you paint? <laughs> I only like I refurbished like- models. <laughs> I like when they put that. Used only. To be fair. Like, like painting my house, I want to primer coat down first of someone else's stuff. <laughs> to be fair, refurbishing an army can make the process really fast or really slow, really slow. depending I, on your foundation. I hate the idea of doing but that. But that's so I started this Absolutely. demon army with the sole explicit content of using them in 1.0. But then two point I kind of slowed painted them a little bit because I wanted to take my time with them. And I tried new techniques because it was skin. I mean the only custodian skin I ever painted was like uh none. A face? I painted Valdor's face. So one head. Because all the Marcus Aureliuses have no one. No, 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 no. One Marcus Aurelius is unhelmeted. One of them does. So yeah, I don't paint flesh. So I took my time and stuff. And then 2.0 dropped. And then I was like, okay, Mechanicum. Then Custodes came out. I was like, okay, Demon should be out soon. And they're like, oh, not until summer. And I'm like, oh. If we if demons and militia drop over the summer, I know I talked about doing a like little break from events over the summer. 
if it would be okay with Steven and the Toy Wiz guys just doing like a free play heresy day at the store. Just, hey guys, we have a new book. Yep. Sound off below. Oh, yeah. Make oh, it down to Toy Wiz. Absolutely. Dude, the day that um, I mean, Siege of Cthonia comes out, I plan on just having everyone swing by, play games, just take that entire book and digest it in a day. Dude, one um, of my favorite models I printed was that stupid, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but Dave said it before, the Demon Centigar beast that's like this big it's like night-sized oh yeah yeah, not, yeah yeah i i wanted to use them so bad in heresy and it's just like now it's like oh damn it there's no yeah. behemoths anymore no agree when that book drops we should we should do something yeah Absolutely. i, I, I we, we can even I put will, it together that's fine i will drop custodies so quick i love my custodies but i played them for eight years now god wait when was 2017 is that three what year do you think it is now Thanks. I don't even know. Well, <laughs> I, I thought your question would, would have been like, when did it come out? Something like that. Not how no, many years ago was a certain year. Technically, when they came out, they didn't really have rules because it was like seventh edition and they had like Talons of the Emperor box. Okay. So technically, they didn't have rules until like eighth. Um, but yeah, I love my custodians, but I want, I, I've been wanting to use my demons for quite some time. So I'm just like. <laughs> One day. One day, essentially. Not soon, but one day. Yep, pretty I much. I think we'll see the Militia and Demon's Book drop at Nova. Really? I could see that. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, that's the next big release date. Wait, or is Warhammer World, is that passed or is that coming up? No, wait, Warhammer World passed already because that was... So then Nova's the next big release they do. Yeah, that's really far. Like, I would, I would love to be proven wrong and have them drop it, like a Memorial Day weekend or something. But because that's late, that's August. That's going into yeah. fall again. No, I don't think. I think we're getting it. Maybe then. I would, I would be shocked if it was any earlier. I just, I'm not saying it's not a priority for them, but I think especially you know they have tenth coming up, all that kind of stuff. I think it's going to yeah. be all hands on deck. Summer, summer is going to be 40k. They're not yeah. going to care about 30k somewhere. Yeah. If if you guys had one wish for Games Workshop to apply to Heresy, what would it be? <sighs> oh, damn it. Ugh. Mine would be an I not ITC style, but support the way there is for ITC for 40k for 30k. Mm. Just a big event. Like there's Nova, there's LVO, there's Adepticon, but yeah. just a couple more big ones for Heresy. Like one in New York City, which would be really nice and close that I could go down, like something like that. That'd be my dream for her. Yeah, because you live like you live like in Canada where Sean lives, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> uh, the, the east part of that, yeah. <laughs> Canada. That's one thing I want to see. Oh man, that's actually okay. So I'm ignoring models, obviously, because if I had a wish, honestly, because it'd be custodian specific, I'd want us to um, have Alaris and Virtus Praetors. In 30k because they exist in 30k. I don't. But, I don't think that's. I mean, you you can have more than one wish if you want, but I don't think no, that's I know, a crazy that was like, wish to have. Same with that, one of my main yeah. things. I, I want to see more stuff in plastic. As a person who one doesn't like to work yep. with resin, that would make custodies fully plastic. Actually, if yeah. they bring a Laris and Virtus Virtus to 30k, that makes the entire range plastic capable. Yeah. The entire, oh, the entire you mean the entire plastic army capable. capable. Yes, the, the, the entire army, the, the entire plastic army would be transferable. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if I had a wish, okay. You know what I wish Games Workshop would do? And I've wanted this for so long. 
I wish they would have a Warhammer world on the East Coast. Exactly like they have in Britain. Ikea-sized Warhammer world. So, so, so you, Battle Bunkers. That's what you want is back. That, wait, how bunker. big is War? Wait, hold on. Is Warhammer world bigger than Ikea? No. I think so. The, the offices are attached to it. Yeah, and the factories across the street. Yeah, oh, you're right. It's oh, crap. Okay, I so, think the gaming floor by itself is Ikea size. Um, so, yes, I would... I God. Manage the store. What what you're talking about is is the battle bunker. When they used to have those, those are the old battle bunkers. That's what that was. But but battle bunkers were still kind of small, weren't they? They were they were big. big? I'm not saying they were Warhammer World size, but they were very big. That was the idea. I I want I want like Warhammer World. I want like them setting up like the 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 multi story, like the two story um, Blood Angels versus Tyranids set up. You know, that's what I want. I want a Warhammer World on the East Coast. because I, I would absolutely travel to Warhammer World and make it like a weekend or like a spring break. And I could imagine, because I saw the pictures that Warhammer World put up for the 30K event that just happened last week, I want to say. Uh, yeah, happened during Adepticon weekend. And those those pictures, I, again, because I, I, Legion armies are cool, but there was a guy who painted the Custodians army, and I was like, what? He he did modeled, he did Shadow Keepers, or uh, I can't say the name in 30K. It's like Dakathani or Dakathana, whatever. That's like he, a black and purple, right? Yeah, black and purple, yes. But what he did was, and I had, I don't know, I'm not even pulled up. So he did black, right? And then he did like a cool, um, how does it, how does, uh, copper rust it's like the teal right uh, yeah yeah it's a vertigris yeah. yeah so he did like a, he did vertigris on on the edges right very cool but the the you know how i do like the red shoulder pelgins right yes he did purple but they were marble so it was like not splotchy but that's what i'm going to use like splotchy mar- purple marbled enameled shoulders and the tanks with the huge like flat surfaces were also that way and it was gorgeous <laughs> it's gorgeous and i'm looking at that like oh my god it's beautiful there was also an army there a white scar army that was um he used uh the stormcast dude that i used as a custodian the guy who's punching the ground yes and he put him he gave him like a nice cool white scar like um dow dow thank Dow-ing. you um, the mind was exp- <laughs> You gave a DAO and everything, and it was a beautiful conversion. So, like, yeah, that that I think Warhammer World would like attract so many people. Oh, one hundred percent. But that would probably be expensive. What What's your wish, Steve? I want them to make Vindicators be able to blow up a rhino. <laughs> very specific, yeah. but very That'd accurate. Be ridiculous. <laughs> actually, actually, I thought of it. my actual wish is Remember, that when they give hit. out stuff, they give it to us. <laughs> you, you you can hit a twenty one armor piercing roll because you have a twelve base on the weapon, a six on the die, and another three on the rend. So that's fifty. Yeah, it's a twenty one on the armor piercing roll. You could beat a rhino. You can almost double its front armor on your penetration roll, and you'll do a single hull point of damage. Is it AP two or AP three? It's, it's AP rending, which doesn't affect four, it. three. Yeah, it's AP three rending. Oh, UW, why? Why you do this to us? I, okay, we need to do an event where we have walls, and they are AV like twenty, so that so, only vindicators and typhons can hurt it. I am intrigued by in November doing a Kursk tank battle style event. Kursk but tank the, battle. 
the issue with that is I don't think mega games work well in the new edition with reactions. So maybe just no. doing it like another doubles or a three on three, a couple three on three tables. But a lot of the newer players generally don't have enough to put 1500 points of armor on the table. Yeah. That's my one yeah. concern with that. Well, most could do 350 because that's their starter box Spartan. Yeah. Bring your one Spartan. Hopefully <laughs> no one shows up with a Kratos with the AP shells. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I did one mega battle. It went reasonably well, although it still has to be pretty small. We did like three or four players aside. And I think that's as big as you can get. Yeah. And, and, and it, it did take a while. Reactions still worked well. We essentially everyone got their allotment of reactions the way we kind of did it. But mm-hmm. yeah, the game definitely slows a lot more compared to I remember when we used to do summers of apocalypse and forty K, we could run through a full you know, I don't know, 100,000 point game in like five hours. Yeah, I think the days of that have passed because of reactions. Yeah. I don't know, because Dan and I played in a 10v8 game. Um, oh, yes, Sean's event. Yeah. That, it actually that... flowed fairly well. That's mm-hmm. because we had like a overall commander for each side said, okay, we are moving phases and each yeah. person had a lane they were responsible for and they could attack a little bit to the left a little bit to the right, but overall they had their lane. So you couldn't go, I'm going to lob my Basilisk battery 96 inches away into Johnny's. No, you could. The Supreme but... Commander could call for that, but not yeah. the individual player. Okay. Hmm. That's right. an interesting way. I'm going to do some interest research into that. Yeah, that was Sean, if you want, Grady, to talk to yeah, Sean no, how he did nothing. it. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, an interesting style to do something like that. I, I think absolutely, if you're doing APOC... You need, yeah, you need commanders, timers. I think APOC works mm-hmm. better when you start oh, timing yes, people. Yes, absolutely. You need a timer for the overall game turn, maybe even phase by phase. I usually, to, we used to always do a phase by phase work better. Flexibility because your early turn movements are going to be a lot slower than your late game movements and vice versa on shooting, I think. Yeah. But it, there's something to be done there. And honestly, back when we did it for 40K, when they put those rules out, part of the reason it worked so well is because they had essentially stratagems or whatever you want to call it. Like there was ones where, oh, you're to relocate everything. Yeah. Or defender first turn. You could put down a smoke screen. Oh, you know, it's like a foot long. You can't shoot through this. They had stuff like that. So it helped mitigate in a, in a game where it's, I go, you go reactions help a lot, but it mitigated the fact that like my whole army goes and my army's, uh, you have 12,000 points. You know, now I'm not going to wipe 3000 points before you even get to play with it. Cause there's different sort of rules like that. So that is wonder, the worst. You deploy and you just pick it right back up. Yep. I wonder Dan if the, doesn't inflict that on anyone ever. That was only my Myrmidons. My custodians literally physically <laughs> could not one turn uh, someone. Well, they can in a later turn when they show up. Yeah. Yeah. On turn two with your teleport attack, Dan. And if they don't get shot off the board. You and fought, if I don't roll a one. You fought three Iron Warriors players and won. No, I lost against... um. Was it Jay? Who, who brings the artillery? Who, who's the one with the grav cannon? The grav, the, the, the grav. No, no, I'm, t- I'm talking about the mega battle. How mega battle. many oh. thousands of points did you kill in one assault phase? Day? That was the, well, first of all, I also deep struck turn one, which was allowed that game. That's the yeah. only reason. Yeah, that was the yeah. only reason. Um, yeah, that was I, the, the amount of five plus invulnerable saves that I rolled because they had shields was i don't even i had i think it was a t- 
10 or 20 man last guy. I don't even know how far they high up they go. But it was like a 10 or 20 man last guy squad with the hitting on twos. He got like 12 or 13 wounds. And these were just two wound custodian guard that deep struck down. And I rolled like 10 five ups. And I was just like, I am so, so sorry about that. Um, yeah, that was just mostly dice. I deep struck in the heart of the enemy, and I somehow was just like, shit, if I lose, I lose. I eat some good lunch. If I win, and they won. I, that was just throwing balls into the air, kind of, though, <laughs> at that point. All right. That was that was funny. All right. Um, also, speaking yeah. of which... Would you guys be open to filming the showcase battle with Dan's custodian? Oh, I was assuming we were going oh, to. Oh, 100%. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My assumption is we way. were going to be, that would be the one, uh, the whichever, the first one game or something like that, that, yeah, that'd be the one that we're going to film. It's custodies and White Scars? Custodies, White Scars, Sisters. It's custodies, White Scars, and Sisters versus Iron Warriors and Night Lords. Oh, Lord. On an 8 by 4 Oh, God. It's yeah. gonna be so much fun. <laughs> That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll figure out how to do it. We're gonna have to. The logistics might be a little bit tougher than it is normally, but we can make that work. I think absolutely. We'll find a way. Dude, I just have I'm, to talk over it later. Yeah. Like film I'm it, but then redub it. That we have no. I'm gonna try my hardest. That hopefully Jeff's not gonna play. He's gonna ring so that. If we do have drops, I can just focus on running the event, which also will allow me to help a little bit more. Yeah. The other thing with that, if, if we're if we're trying to do something like that, even if because um, we also use a gimbal, even because that might be a little much for them in the first one. I don't. Uh, no, sorry, I'm playing in that with someone else because I could even help run it. But on that, Dan, if he covers it, or even Steve, do you, you don't have a? Do you have someone right now that you're? Not currently. I have okay. been keeping myself free very deliberately. Okay. I would say, because even with that, we can help try to run a little something. Or if we just run it more consistently, um, leaving the gimbal running. Because that can pick up audio a lot better, so the audio wouldn't be as bad. The overall thing, it still picked it up pretty good, actually. What we should do for the next one, as I'm editing, we're going to have probably Dan on the opposite side, the further end from the audio, other people a little bit closer. The audio <laughs> for that game, whoever, but th that's just a key. Whoever's closer, depends on how people, like, in the game I played against Sean, I haven't listened to the audio yet, but I'm curious how it picks it up because he was on the other side. And he's a little more soft-spoken than I am. So we're going to see how that picks up. But again, we'll at least get something for it. We'll see how it comes out. If not, then I can always do some, we can do some overlay talking on it. That's always yep. fine if necessary. Also, just shout out to mm -hmm. Sean. He's the other fellow who throws the events here in the Hudson Valley region. He does a great job. Yes, yeah, I know. Sean's, Sean's awesome. That man consistently makes me want to buy a Thunderhawk. And every time Do I it. see his guy, every coward. If I'm I've made that bet. The moment, the moment custodians can take a Thunderhawk, literally oh. the same day rules drop, it's an instant buy. But here's Instantly. The thing. Why go small and get a Thunderhawk? Just get a Silkar Pattern Stormbird. I don't think they take those. Although, Sean, what a jerk. You know what he showed me too? I didn't even realize. He goes, Hey, Dan, have you ever read the Storm Eagle? Uh, Storm Eagle, yeah. Storm Eagle fluff entry. I'm like, no, I never did. In the bottom of the damn entry, it goes, yeah, this is a custodies transport vessel. They use it all the time. And I'm like, my eye just kind of does one of these like twitches. Because <laughs> I love the Storm Eagle. I hate the Orion. I think it looks so dopey. Hey, I, I, I've never. 
then call it, call it an Orion and you'll throw your Storm Eagle down. We're playing for fun, right? Oh, no, the, the size the size differences. Is, is it's it's not that bad. Yeah, it's based on the base for measurements, so just mount it on the proper base. Actually, yeah, I was going to say, no, but even looking at my Orion that I have on the table that I was totally supposed to paint three months Storm ago. Storm Eagles are big. Yeah, Storm Eagles actually, uh, hmm, hmm. No, it. stop it. God damn it. I can't. <laughs> also, don't slam the table. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, but if they get Thunderhawk rules, I'm just going to, oh, God, my life. And it's funny because I actually have like a little saving account that I keep saving. Literally, you have a called. rainy day fund for for a Thunderhawk. No, just just for the Thunderhawk. I'm not actually joking. <laughs> it's not. It's, it hasn't been touched in three years. It hasn't been touched in about three years. I hope you're getting good interest. Uh it's only like point zero five. It's it's like a, oh, it's GW, a savings account. GW's has a much more aggressive uh, inflation yeah, rate than that. Exactly. But I put it away. It's it's a savings account. It's it's my wife and I both see it. No one has touched it ever, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even a rainy day fund. It's just like collect it's just sitting there. Um, and we both kind of made a joke that if they ever like do this, I'll buy it. That's instant, like you close the account and I use it. But it's still sitting there, and I'm still thinking to myself, like, I'm hoping that they don't, but I'm also hoping they do. Because the Thunderhawk is, I think, in my opinion, and people will fight me on this, but I think the Thunderhawk's one of the probably the coolest planes they've ever made next to the Avenger. No, but that's because no, I, I love that's because I like the the um the warthog in real life. But I think the Thunderhawk is just the coolest okay. looking thing. It, it is absolutely a very cool looking model. I love that the not the first generation lightning, the second generation lightning they released. The one that's currently on the Forge World web store. So not, not the one that has the eagle wings. Not that the eagle the wings. Boss not the eagle. Okay, that's how I thought. Yeah. I had to think about it. That's well, that has one, the swoopy. Wings. The more ground attack looking one. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Ah, <sighs> oh, man. Dan's child's going to be like getting ready for college. There's going to be this it's money so sitting aside so, and be like, is that for oh, yeah. me? No. I'm no. so sorry. That's, That's for my like, other for baby. Thunderhawk. Like financial talk aside, as I've made this already, my wife handles all the finances. I, I cook and I clean. That's my job. She handles all the money. And I don't mind that. I don't have any college loans because she took them over for the past four years. She goes, Dan, you're allowed to spend this much money this month. And I'm like, okay, that's my allowance. Um, that's why I don't have college loans. She, she tackles them. So, it's funny because you'll see like in our bank account, you'll see like, you know, child college fund, uh, retirement money. We, she, she splits it up. Uh, I, I, uh, Roth RA account, stuff like that. And then it's literally the most random thing. And it says Thunderhawk fund. <laughs> like no activity for three years. Oh, man. That- you guys bankers probably like, what is this? Yeah, what, what the hell is a Thunderhawk? What is this nonsense? Is that no, a weapon? No, he knows. And <laughs> no he's like, weapon. man, I hope it happens one day for this man. Yeah. Well, they'll release a plastic Thunderhawk before they allow custodians to they use it. They did. That was the biggest scam ever. Oh, that was so good. I felt the salt of a million gamers. I was so angry. By the way, Grady, to get your reaction, did you hear about the, um, the Forge World Mastodon and, and Glaive incident? No, what happened? Mastodon can't be found on Forge World anymore. It's because the mold's cracked, I bet. I don't. It's or, not plastic. No, no. It's the mold. Well, here's the fun part. Someone got an email because they bought a glaive. Yeah. They refunded the money, and they said the mold will no longer be available, and they said to wait. Yeah. 
the, the glaive I is obviously the glaive in plastic. plastic. That makes that's sense. what it is. people are plastic. with that email. People is like, I can't see the mastodon in plastic. No. That is too niche of a kit. And like a glaive, you could easily transport over to 40k. Also, yeah, I think yeah. it has rules in for it, it does, but like you could put yeah. that in a marine like codex or an apocalypse book, and like toe to toe with a bane blade. It's not yeah. crazy. Yeah. The Mastodon, on the other hand, I feel like that, like you said, the die might be cracked. Yeah, because that's happened before. They've pulled it because they've they've cracked a mold in the past and all, yeah. or the, the molds have degraded to a point where they have to replace them. But that like refund, the, uh, like the Gorgon, yes, the, the, the big yeah. transporter. Yeah. Yep. No, no, the the glaive is absolutely going plastic, and that email proves it's going plastic. And we all kind of knew it would with, with the the fact they're doing these Lords of War, the Typhon, all that kind of stuff. We know they're going to be doing other Lords of War, but I think there's a limit. And ma- under Mastodon, I think currently is definitely that limit. Man, the oh, 100%. I honestly would prefer the, what is the Falchion over the Glaive. It's the, which one, okay, I'm confusing. Which one is the laser beam? That's the so glaive. the glaive. The glaive is the giant Volkite that draws a line across the table. That's the one knows. I like. <laughs> yes, I love it. I want one so bad. It's been but on my list for quite can, a while. They could easily do with two different turrets, a fell yep. blade and a oh, fell yeah. blade. Yep. Yeah. And two separate kits, apparently, because the Typhon and Cerberus are separate kits. And that I don't understand no that end. myself. It's money. It's no, well, nothing they more sold, to do than money. They sold contemptor bodies, remember? And no contemptor legs. That I am salty about. Yes. <laughs> Many people were on that one. And yeah. the price point's just not good either. That's, that's no. the worst it's part. Extortion. I and people like, are celebrating it like Michael, at the end of the day like everyone does their hobby a different way i'm not really that bothered my only thing that i get a little salty about is when it affects people's ability to play the game overall yep no i agree like, it's yeah i was not a fan of the resin chainsword and I don't think anyone was. No. Is the, what was it like? Five resin chain swords. Yeah, right? five was, chain swords, one heavy chain sword, and five bolt pistols. Yes. I, I don't think that. it is currently the only way to get a bolt pistol for your tactical squad sergeants. Yeah. Wait, what? It only comes with the plasma. Yeah. The, the Mark Six kit has a power sword, power fist, lightning claw, plasma pistol. Those and are the your lightning options. Claw and power fist are the same model. You just glue it on the top. Yep. Yeah. I called it when we forgot the preview images. There's no bolt pistol in the kit. I remember like, this conversation. You yeah. remember this conversation. Yeah. I said, there's no bolt pistol in the kit, guys. Someone would have modeled at least one. Games Workshop loves to show off. Look at all these options. Yes. They would have had at least one bolt pistol in the box, in the picture if there was one. Honestly, that's so why I like my, the Mark III kit. It's got all the options. Whole, we already have that Mark III and the Mark IV weapons kit on Forge World yeah. with the uh, Jarnable sabers, that power axes, power fists, bolt pistols, plasma pistols, hand flamers. I think this Mark VI spoiler kit is just redundant. Like it, if someone's going to buy resin upgrades, they can already buy the Mark IVs or the Mark Threes and just stick and them get on. a and get a posed model specifically that's supposed to have that dynamic close combat stance. Or let's I mean, be honest, 3D printing does exist now, and chain swords. Well, are that's not, the problem. That's yeah. what all mine are. They mine needed to print. come in at a price point where it's like, eh, I'll just pick this up from the local shop. But, but you can't pick it up from the local shop. Do. No. 
you, it's not an impulse buy when you have to go onto Forge World, go through a three-step process. Now they're going to make it a one-step process to take your money, I'm sure. Now, I will say, that. Forge World, you're 100% right. I've had some Necromunda stuff sitting in my Forge World cart, and I just can't bring myself to hit checkout versus like when I was at Toy Wiz last week and I grabbed a whole bunch of stuff I did not need, but I wanted because it was there. Because it, it yep. was in your hands. She's like, well, it'd be a shame if I got yeah, it exactly. all the way to my hand. Exactly. Here, I think I have them right here. Home. <laughs> my Necromunda. Jesus. I was like, do I need these? No. Do I want more Necromunda stuff? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. The joy, the joy of gaming, man. Whether you have a girlfriend or a wife, they will never be upset or like wondering where that money is going. No, they will. So, no, because my wife is like, she'll okay. see a hundred dollar oh, charge. They, they know she'll where be mad. It's going. They yeah, she'll be, where it's she'll going. be mad. Yeah. But it's not like. It's, but a point is like you know any other person that's not like married to a war gamer, they see a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar charge. You're like, the fuck did he spend two hundred dollars on? Oh my god, what is this? Meanwhile, Who's my wife is like, dinner? yeah, yeah. And then meanwhile, my wife is like, what'd you buy? I didn't buy. No, no. Ask yourself. I gave you a eighty dollar limit. And you spent 180. What did you buy? But babe, I needed spray paints. No, 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 no. Shh, shh, shh. yourself. No, 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 no. I know you don't need them. <laughs> yeah. My girlfriend's biggest thing is she's like, you just started a project. Why'd you buy it? Like, well, a new project came to mind. I just have to have the stuff in case Games Workshop ever discontinues it. So I have a <laughs> That's how I justify buying like a whole bunch of Skatari, just in case Games Workshop discontinues them. Oh my God. Lord have mercy on our souls. Yeah. Now with the with the assault, they they should just wait until they have that kit ready, because I think they're going to create more ill will than they will purchases. You do a full kit, I'll buy it. You do they this drop, Forge World upgrade now. Yeah. If they drop the resin upgrade like the first month of the game being live, okay, that it's a holdover. Fine. Yes. This is nine months later. They're dropping it. It's not okay. at all the right timing. You're, you're, it totally hit get, the mute again. <laughs> the cat was like the cat was like nope i'm done here no more talking <laughs> i love that cat all right all right anything else at the end of the day people just throw events that's my yeah yes throw yeah. events um have snacks have props props are great doing narrative event props yes. bring props people into it they go, look I, at I look at this died. cool thing I got. Like this last event, we got purity seals. Yeah. That was awesome. Oh, was hands like, down. Oath of moment, moment, not purity seals. Oath of movement. Bro, I was I looked at mine and it's actually hanging next to the um oh, you can't even see it. You don't right wear here. you don't wear it to school. I oh, oh I, mine's on my I don't my know. Work. Yeah, hold on a second. No, yeah, it's not it's gonna be hard to see. Put it on I, your work have, lanyard. No, I have it next to, and this is kind of cool for me. I never really got first place in tournaments, uh, very rarely, because hmm. uh, I tend to I t- tend to place top three, but never like top one. Always the bride, uh, so never, never the bride. Yeah, pretty much second place, first place loser. Um, but I actually have two plaques from Putnam 30K events that were given to me, um, and I believe one is best loyalist commander. And I can't remember. I can't see the other one. The other one got like knocked flat because my cat. But I have them framed. Oh god, let me see if I could get a good. You definitely can't. Yeah, I I see there's some paints. I hold on, hold on, hold on. And I see that MCP model that you haven't worked on yet. Also play MCP. It's great. 
squirrel girl coming out. No, no, it's it's an Orion jet. What are you talking about? What are, what you, are you? Yeah, Blanchard? I have those. I have those. So I have two of those, and I got at two separate events. And I have that actually hanging on my banister. And it sounds stupid. Listen, is it a piece of paper? Yeah. Who cares? Hey, so but it's a like memory. Yeah, but it's a memory. You know, as an individual myself, it also means something when the community's like, "We noticed this about you, man." Like here, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. At the end of the day, it is a piece of paper. It's 3D printed plastic spray painted gold. But that's the community saying, man, Wait. like you're a cool dude. You come to our events. You do this stuff. Everyone yeah. appreciates you. The trophy wasn't solid gold. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, end the podcast. Don't let them know. <laughs> People can't know. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Now, that's 100% something. And I will give you guys another hint. The. We're getting some stuff to add to the fluff. So if you guys have any cool things your Praetors did at this last event or memorable things, shoot me a message with it in a little type up and we'll see what happens. No, literally did nothing. Mine just died a lot. They hid in a vehicle. No one sent me that. Great. His head he, was separated does, from his body. Just <laughs> pinning a librarian with a leadership tag yeah, stubborn. That was so annoying. <laughs> yeah, that, that Literally, the only thing you needed not to happen happened. My, I was like, all right, this is my super juice command squad, my librarian and praetor. Unbelievable. And I roll an 11. I'm like, oh. It reminds me of like when I used to play fantasy and my leadership... 10 re-rollable stubborn dwarves. We just rolled two 12s back to back. We're like, well, this this the dice decided for me. Exactly. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, listen, literally at that point, I was like, well, oh no. Can't fight dice. Nope, can't fight dice. <laughs> All right. Um I think we're good then. Unless anyone has yeah. anything else. Yeah, I think we call it there. All right. As always, we do want to thank everyone who either watches or listens. This whole time, if you've been watching, we're now in our third iteration of the uh, the picture that Steve put together. It actually we we went through uh, three times so far. So really, okay. yes, I it's could actually have had we're more on the pictures. third cycle. Yes, you could have. Um, if you only would have had more time, if um, only, yeah, um, or an AI script. That is yeah, there. You go. Could have done this real fancy, like. Um, so they said, we do thank everyone who does listen. Um, they said, for other releases, we have another podcast episode. This one will probably actually come out first. We talked about the other one maybe coming out first, but this one's going to be easier for me to edit, I think. So this one's probably going to come out first. We're going to have the other one there shortly after. We have a couple extra battle reports. we got about three in the wings. Um, my hope is to get one more out this week, and then probably the other ones will be scattered across the other weeks, especially depending on... For one of them, I wasn't there. And if I'm not there, it just takes me longer to do because I don't know the natural flow of where things go. Um, remember, you can always reach out. We have our Discord. We put a link to that on the YouTube. We also have a Facebook page that Dan's supposed to be updating. I bet he's not. We have links for that as well. Yep. I look at a look on his face tells me he's not. Um, we did actually put out a Patreon. So if you enjoy the content and you have the means and you'd like to support us, you know, we're thankful for any of that. Obviously, they like said nothing will ever be locked away. That's actually of quality. We'll put some random things in there. Like if um, Dan ever has a way to prove they had white scars other than one blurry picture. Um, all right. So on behalf of everyone then here at the show, have, have some good hobby and some great gaming. <laughs>